drive into the day's message, Running with the Giants. Uh, We have been in a series, it's been five weeks that we have been in this series, and we're talking about the Hebrews, or the heroes of the faith. And really, these are people that have gone before us, that have lived their life before us. And the Bible marks them as heroes, people that did what God asked them to do, and great things happened because of it. And I want to dive right into Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 is our theme verse. It's been our theme verse, and so let's go right into it. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... So the Bible here talks about that we are surrounded with a cloud of witnesses. Those that have gone before us, they're in heaven and they're watching our lives. They're watching us run our race. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and then let us run. In other words, let us live our life. Let us do what God has called us to do. It says, with perseverance, which really we know that is patient endurance, that life's going to be hard, it's going to be challenging. The key is don't quit. We say this all the time, I cannot quit, I will not quit. Quitting is not an option. That's patient endurance. We're not going to stop. We're going to endure whatever it is that we have to endure because God has marked a race out for us. And really this series came from John Maxwell. Uh, He wrote a book entitled Running with the Giants, and he had this idea that these clouds, a cloud of witnesses were as people sitting in the stand watching a sporting event, it'd be like the crowd going crazy. (sighs) They're just, (sighs) they're cheering us on. They're looking down at our life. And his thought was, you know, though they're individuals cheering us on, when there's a crowd that's cheering, it's hard to hear the individual voices. So what if we pulled these people out of the stands individually, and as we were running our race, they take a lap with us in our life race? And that's, that's the idea. It's a brilliant idea. And so today we're going to pull out of the stands, Jacob, Jacob. Now, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. He is actually the son of Isaac. And Jacob, actually, he has a very interesting life. There's a lot of things that we as people can learn from the life of Jacob. And, you know, if we were to narrow it down, I think the main thing he would speak to us is when our life is not turning out the way we hoped it would. When our life is not turning out the way that you and I hoped it would. See, Jacob was guilty of what most of us in this room were really guilty of. It's it's trying to control our lives. It's trying to direct our lives. It's trying to make everything happen and make it happen the way we think we ought to see it happen and how it ought to come to pass. And so we find ourselves really seeing our life in his life that when life wasn't turning out, when things weren't going the way he thought it would, he began to manipulate He began to try to control that situation and try to make it work out for his advantage. And I've lived long enough to know now in my life, every time I try to control a situation, every time I try to manipulate it, anybody know what I'm talking about? It never works out. And I'm sure many of you have lived long enough to know that. If you haven't, you'll figure it out because God can never give it to you the way you think it should be. 
then your strength is in yourself. Your, your, your hope is in you and your confidence is in you. And so it never turns out when we try to take control of it. And Jacob, from the very beginning, was manipulating and trying to control things, literally from his birth. Jacob is a twin and his brother Esau was born first. And if you know the story, what would happen was Esau came out and Jacob was grabbing his heel like, hey, no, you don't, homeboy. I'm going to be first. And so he grabbed onto his heel trying to, even at birth, manipulate his own way. And so what we see in this is, man, Jacob really is a deceiver from the very core of his nature and very core nature of our lives. Really, that's part of who we are at the core in our sinful nature. We want to control. We want to hold on to things. We don't want to let others get ahead of us. And so we see this in Jacob's life, but on multiple occasions, here's the amazing thing, he has encounters with God. God tries to reach out to him. God meets up with him and says, hey, listen, this is what's going on. He has these encounters, but the problem is every encounter he has with God, he always goes back to his old ways. It's a lot like us. You know, we come to church on a Sunday and the worship is amazing. Things are happening. It's great. We go from one encounter to the next. But the problem is Monday through Saturday, we take back control of our lives. We say, God, it's awesome. It's great. I trust you. You're the God of miracles. Not, not so fast. God, I think you can do it. But then on, on Monday, the reality of life hits you. And so you kind of take your life back in control, uh, uh, in your own control. And really what Jacob would say is this, you got to let God have control of your life. You got to let God have control of your life. You got to trust God with everything. Say everything. And it's not just non-believers. Listen, you may be in here and you've never given God your life. You've never had a salvation. It's not, it's not just a non-believer saying, God, I'm going to give you control. Really, it's Christians as well. We can have a salvation experience. We can give our life to God and yet at the same time not fully trust him to run our life. God, I love you. It's almost like fire insurance, right? God, save me from hell. God, I thank you for this salvation. But God, I'm not so sure you can control my future. God, I'm not so sure that I can give that to you. And really it boils down to trust. What happens is we don't trust God. We don't really believe that he has our best in mind. And so we just take back control. God, I love you. I trust you. Thank you for saving me. But God, I'm not so sure about my career. Like, are you sure you really want me to do this? Because I thought it was this. People told me it was this, but I'm not so sure that's the path I'm supposed to go. And maybe it's your family, your, your marriage, your finances. We just What we do is we tend to take back control of our lives. In one situation, Jacob, trying to control his world, he manipulates and swindles his brother out of his birthright. And so for those of you that don't know, what happened is Esau came back hungry from the field and Jacob had some soup and we see Esau sell his birthright to Jacob for some soup. What we see is Esau let his appetite rob his future. So he let what was in front of him rob him what God had for him. And I wonder if in the church we don't let our appetite rob our future. We make this terrible exchange of God, this is what I want now. God, this is what I feel now. I think I deserve it now. It should be mine now. And so we take control of it the whole time, forfeiting the future that God has for us. 
Another situation we see is where Jacob begins to manipulate this whole marriage. And see, Jacob, he wanted one girl, but his father-in-law wanted him to have another girl. And so throughout all of this, Jacob ends up working lots of years in a messy situation where he gets two girls, not one. And it becomes this messy situation where Jacob was manipulating this situation. And really after this, he grows this family, he establishes his wealth, and then he has to leave because he has established so much wealth. And then manipulation after manipulation leads him to a point of crisis. Because that's what always happens. Listen, when we try to control our lives, it always leads us to a point of crisis. Now, why would I tell you this? Because you can either learn from your crisis that you go through, or we can learn from the life of Jacob and say, God, I don't want to go through a crisis. I give you control right now. I don't have to go through all of that. Lord, I trust you. Because really, that's what the lives of the the Bible, the characters of the Bible, they teach us lessons so that we don't have to experience it on our own. God, teach me. Help me to learn. Help me to learn from their mistakes so I don't have to walk through it. Look at what happens in Genesis 32, verse 10. It says, when I, he's Jacob, I left home and crossed the Jordan River. So, So here he, this is the first time he's crossing the river. He's leaving his home because he has stolen the blessing from Esau. And Esau's gonna kill him. Esau's mad. And so he's going over to his uncle Laban's home, and it says, listen, I left. I own nothing except a walking stick. Now he's crossing back over. My household fills two large camps. God's blessed him. He did it through manipulation, but God has blessed him. He's got lots of livestock, and he's got a couple of wives and children. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a people. He's becoming a people. It says, oh, Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. See, Esau wanted to kill him. And so as he's moving, he knows he can't stay where he's at, but he's afraid to go to where God's called him. So where he's at, he can't stay. And so now he's got to go to this place where there's insecurity. There's this place where it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. In fact, it could cost me my life, but he has to go anyway. And he says, I'm afraid that he's going to come and attack me along with my wives and my children. So what happens is Jacob has no options. He's run out of options, and really this crisis is what drives him to God. And this is the encounter in his life where he has the greatest encounter with God. This is the one that changes everything, because he didn't have any options. Mother Teresa says this. She says, you will never know God is all you need until he's all you have. You never know, no, he's all you need. So he's all you, when, when you run out of options, see, I feel like there's some of you sitting here this morning, you're right at that place. You're like, I'm out of options. You're in a good place. I've been trying to do it, but you know, I just, I don't know what else to do. You're in a good place. Why? Because it's time to let God have control of your life. It's time to stop trying to be in control and allow God to take control. God, you're all I need. But I will tell you this too, and I don't want to just segregate those that are in that moment. You don't have to get to that moment for that moment to happen. Now, my challenge is this, that it wouldn't take the crisis to drive you to a moment to God, that you would just say, God, right now, I'll give you everything. I don't understand it. I may not like it. I may feel uncomfortable. But God, right now, I trust that you're a good God. Not always easy. I got to tell you, the safest place is not in the will of God. I know I'm going to mess with your theology. Can I just mess with it a little bit? Like, I, I, I feel like there's this watered-down Christianity that says, oh, he gives you love and joy and peace and all these good things, and yes, but if you come to God for the benefits, you're going to be lost. 
Why? Because the minute you come to God, the devil has you on his scope. He is looking for you. He's going to try to destroy more than ever. But the promise is this, not that you would have a pain-free life, but that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. So you have to just say, listen, God, I, it may not be easy, and I get it. It may be uncomfortable, but I get it. Why? Because you're doing something on the inside of me, and God, I choose to let you do it inside of me. The crisis drove him to God. How many love Pastor Brian and Pastor Zelda Sosa? You know, they are instrumental. Are they in the service right here? Man, you guys are so instrumental in this church. They, from the first time I met them, I just fell in love with them, and you know, they got their hands in everything. They're helping run the, the student ministry. They help run TCLA, the outreach, and really everything that happens in this church, it, it really at some level touches their life. And they've been such a blessing to us here at the church, but did you know they hadn't always been on staff at a church? They hadn't always lived for God their entire life, that there was a season in their life several years back where they weren't living for God. In fact, they were running from God. They were living a life partying and drinking and living the American dream. They owned a business, and so they were successful, and you know, they had the, the marriage and the family, and they had the house and the cars, even had a dog, the perfect American dream story. That's right. Got to have that dog. Yeah, still do. But they didn't have God. And so that life that seemed, and this is the challenge, right, that America says, if you get these things, you find happiness. No, no, that's not true. Those things will make you more depressed because you realize there's no hope in those things. There's no happiness in those things. Well, there's happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Joy is eternal. Joy is not based on situation. It's based on my God. But in 2011, when we talk about crisis that... God will use a crisis to bring us closer to him. In 2011, something tra tragic happened. Lexi, their little niece, 15 years old, committed suicide. And you got to know the Sosas, man. They're all about family. All about family. And so when this happened, what they did in their life was they allowed that crisis to bring them closer to God. That in that moment where, listen, all the things they had wasn't going to help the pain they were feeling. All the stuff they had accumulated couldn't feel the void that they were now experiencing. And listen, there is nothing worse than losing a child before their time. But I know this, that Pastor Brian has shared his story on multiple occasions about how this crisis, as horrible as it was, God will take what the enemy meant to destroy and he'll bring about good. Their entire family was saved through this crisis. They gave their life to Christ. <laughs> Pastor Brian, Pastor Zelda, Alex, Stella, Della, Mama Gloria, all of them. Now here's the amazing thing, that, that in the midst of that, now every one of them serve here at the church and they help bring life to those that experience that same pain. See, you don't have to let your past be a prison. It can be a platform to reach those that God brings to us. Now I, I just want to be real clear. God didn't cause the crisis. 
Like we have choices and there's fallen, there's sin in us and we're fallen humanity. But I will tell you this, God uses those crises to bring us to a place of brokenness where we turn to God and we're hopeless. He says, that's all right, I'll give you hope. We're helpless. He's like, that's all right, I'm going to help you. We're desperate. And he says, yeah, you're in a good place. And Jacob would say it like this, brokenness precedes breakthrough. That it's that broken pieces of our lives that we get to the end of ourself and we say, God, I got no options. He's like, that's awesome. You're in a good place. You're in a position for breakthrough. You get to the end of yourself. David articulates it so well in Psalm 51, 17. He says, the sacrifices of God. It's not that you came to church today. Now listen, I'm glad you came to church. Keep coming back to church. But that's not a sacrifice of God. It's, it's a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. God is attracted to brokenness. God is attracted to brokenness. It's not when you think you got it all together. Have you ever tried to talk to someone that thinks they know it all? Mm. I'm sure nobody in here is that person. Just be quiet. Nobody will know it's you. I mean, you just can't get through, right? But have you ever had someone just say, Daddy, I, I, you know, my kids, Dad, I can't figure it out. Help me. But I help you all day long. When they think they got it, they're, 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 they got it all figured out. It's like, go ahead, son, see how that works. God is attracted to this brokenness. In our, and I love that about our church. Listen, see, the thing I think that has attracted so many people is you can come in wearing flip-flops, shorts. You can wear a coat. You can be all nice and your family great. You can be just off of drugs. You can be on drugs sitting in this service, and you're going to feel loved. You're going to feel accepted. We're going to say you're in the right place at the right time. Oh, pastor, I know you didn't. Baby, where else you want them to go? I'm telling you, man, let them come sit in here. I was messed up on drugs, 1230 at night, February 7th, God visited my house. I would love for people to be in this place, high, drunk, intoxicated, and experience the freedom of God. But we come in and we're just, we're broken, and, and the lie of the enemy is you got to have your life together. No, no, baby, you messed up. Good. Well, you know what? Jacob was messed up. And look at what God did. God used him to make a great nation. And really, have you ever seen mosaics? I, I really think it's a lot like mosaics. A mosaic is very interesting because really mosaics, when you, when you see great mosaic artists, I, I've been looking at some of them and researching some, they'll take discarded pieces of tile, stuff that nobody wants, worthless price. Uh, they're, 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 nobody wants it. It's discarded. It's been used. In fact, it's going towards the trash broken pieces of glass, and they'll make a masterpiece out of it. They'll take those broken pieces and say, oh yeah, I could use that color right here. That'd be awesome. And yeah, it may be a little fragmented, but I like fragmented because then I can, I can work with fragmented. I could, I could pull it where it needs to go. I can glue a little bit here. And they make these masterpieces that then the world is like in awe of because the world didn't see it. The artist saw it. And isn't that what God says in Ephesians 2.10? Look at what he says. We are God's masterpiece. Oh, no, I don't feel like a masterpiece. Oh, you're in good company. It's, it's all right. That's the miracle. You didn't have to get it all fixed up. And that's the miracle of what God's restoration does is that where it seemed hopeless, where there were no options, where the world gave up on you, where it seemed like you weren't even worth the time, God said, no, baby, I'm going to take these pieces that the world has discarded. I'm going to make a masterpiece, and then I'm going to display it to the world so they can see how good a God I am, 
not how strong you are. Give God the broken pieces of your life. See what he'll do. Jacob would say this, you gotta lose yourself to find yourself. You gotta let go, you've gotta give God everything. Look in Genesis 32, 27. So this is Jacob wrestling. Now the Bible says a man, and it really was written poetically, so some scholars think it's God, some believe it's Jesus. We definitely know at least it's an angel. I like to think it's him wrestling with God, and so I think God gets his hands dirty, but look at what he says. What is your name? The man is talking to Jacob, and the man asked, and he said, Jacob is my name. And he says, you will no longer be called Jacob. Now, this is what's interesting. Don't you think that man knew what his name was? Like, it's God. How many know God knows your name? So here he is. I, I think it's very interesting. This is, what's your name? Isn't it interesting? I think God makes us come to the awareness of who people have called us and what we have identified ourselves as. Because people will label you how they meet you, but God labels you by how he made you. And so what we do is you have to say, listen, God, this is what the world calls me. They call me lazy, selfish, whatever it is. And, and you have to identify it, I think, because when you identify the lie, this is what can happen. You can replace the lie with the truth. But until you identify the lie, you can never replace it with the truth of who God has called you to be. And so we see from now on, the man says, you're not going to be called Jacob. You're going to be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and you have won. God gives him a new identity. See, his name was Jacob, ambitious deceiver. Now it's Israel, one who struggles with God and overcomes. He is an overcomer. He's an overcomer. God has given him a new identity, and God has said, you are now an overcomer. You don't have to deceive. I'm going to give you what you need. You're an overcomer in your life. And so God really, he's revealing the true identity of who he created Jacob to be. Who he created to be. C.S. Lewis says it like this, I become my own only when I give myself to another. That I give myself to another. See, we, we can only find ourselves when you give yourself to the one that created you. You gotta say, God, I, I don't know. I thought I knew. See, the problem, and this is what I sense, some of you are living someone else's expectation. So what you thought, it's not that it's bad. I'm not even saying it's bad. Maybe it's a lawyer, you're a doctor, maybe it's a missionary, maybe, I, I don't know. But the challenge is, are you living someone else's expectation or are you living God's purpose? And so your life is frustrated. You don't know why it's not working out. And so if you would just be bold enough to say, God, I'm gonna submit to the one that created me and go back to Ephesians 2.10 that I am God's masterpiece, that you created me anew in Christ Jesus so that I can do the good things that you planned for me to do long ago. That's the race that you were called to run. Listen, you don't have the luxury to live a purposeless life. Listen to me. If you're a believer, that's not an option. Like, I get it. And, and I, man, you know, for me, as your pastor, and I, I just say this lightly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to inspire you to live your life to the fullest. You know, sometimes it's, I, I get it. We got people that are coming in and saying, hey, I just need a break. I need rest. I need to heal. We have those people that say that, and that's good. This will always be a place. Don't feel pressure. But what I've got to do as your pastor is I've got to inspire you to know that God created you with a purpose. We got to throw away the lie that says, I can do anything I want to do. No, baby, you cannot do anything you want to do. You can only do what God created you to do. So why don't we just learn what God's called us to do? 
And say, God, just help me to discover that. Because I don't want you to get to heaven thinking all was good here. And then you walk into eternity and say, God, I thought I had it right. I would rather step on some toes and say, hey, listen, man, maybe that's not. Come on, let me encourage you. Let me inspire you to to go out and do what God's called you to do. Because he has a plan for your life. And God wants you to live the life that he created you to live. Don't hang on to your old life. you got to let it go. Look at Mark 8.35. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up on your life for my sake and the sake of good news, of the good news, you will save it. It's not easy to let go, but I'm asking you, let go. Stop trying to control and manipulate your life. And I I would say it like this. Give God one year of your life. Here would be a challenge. Say, God, listen, what I'm doing is not working. I'm going to give you just one year. Everybody say, just one year. Just one year. Run the play. You say, well, what's the play? Get in a small group. You, you see, God brought you to this church, and every church has, has vision that God has placed on the inside. And the vision here for us is that you move forward in your spiritual journey, that you don't stay stuck. What a tragedy for you to come to church week after week for 10, 20 years and be no better for it. I'm not here to get a whole bunch of hoot hollers. No, no. You know what's going to make me feel like I've done my responsibility is to see you take your next step, to see you move forward in your spiritual journey, that you're not stuck, but you're moving in your spiritual journey with God. So give God one year. Say, listen, my life hadn't been working. I'm going to give you a year. I'm going to run the play. I'm going to get in a small group. We launch small groups in a couple of weeks. It's it's a place for you to be known. Someone says, listen, I want to be pastored. You got to get in a small group. Why? Because that's where community is built. Listen, we are way too big for everybody to know one person. You've got to get in a community and that makes you have to choose to be in community. But you got to do it. You just say, I'm going to be in a small group. It's where healing takes place. You can come week after week and not experience healing in your life. But in a small group, when you're face-to-face, you reveal your secrets, you talk about your struggles, you pray for each other. James 5.16 says that when we confess our faults one to another and pray for each other, we will be healed. Forgiveness comes from God. Healing comes from people. That's how God said it. Run the play. Go to next steps. Listen, if you've never been to next steps, what do you do? You just go into next steps. Why? Because that's the next thing for you to do as you discover your purpose. Why, God, I'm going to lose myself and I'm going to find your life in me. I'm going to let go of what I want and I'm going to submit to you and I choose to do it your way. Listen, some of you go on to next steps. Start serving. Run the play. Give God your whole life. And really the last thing that goes into what Jacob would say, when you find yourself on God's terms, you find fulfillment. That's like, man, my life matters. I mean, the ultimate goal in life is for you to find your purpose. And then check it out. Once you found your purpose, lose yourself in fulfilling your purpose. I mean, that's the key, right? How many have ever laid your head on the pillow at night, having done all kinds of things for God, like this weekend has been crazy for me personally. You know, Pastor Brian was so, so, such a, he's such a brother to me, just family. But we choose to be in relationship. And, you know, even this morning, he's like, Pastor, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And, and, and I just had the moment, I saw him, I said, Pastor Brian, I don't know if it's going to be good. <laughs> he's like, really? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that the conversation this morning? Like, I don't know. I think it's going to be good. But, you know, we've been running so fast and so hard. We had the fellowship last night. We got dream team. And so my mind is just in different places. And, and so what, what I realized for me 
was that God, all I've got to do is just keep doing what you've placed on the inside. That God, the ultimate goal is to find my purpose and then to lose myself in the purpose. Let me just tell you this. You lose yourself twice. First time you lose yourself is when you give your life to God. Some of you are in this place here and you, you need to give your life to God this morning. But the second one is, God, I find your purpose. I'm going to lose myself in that purpose and live a life that's fulfilled. It's the only way you're ever going to come alive. Can I get an amen? I want to pray this scripture over you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I just want your heart in this. This is really... You know, as I was even preparing this morning, <clears throat> I mean, I knew this message was for you. I mean, that's the key, right? It's, it's prepared, it's well done. But it doesn't matter if you don't get it in your heart. It doesn't matter if it doesn't pierce your soul. And so Romans chapter 12, verse 1, 2, I just, I just, can you just listen with your heart? Let me pray it over. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, just, just the normal life, the things you do, and place it before God as an offering. God, I give it to you. To ask ministry, right? Ministry is not about I'm on the stage, or ministry is God, everything I do, I give it to you. God, my walking around sleeping, I just, I give it. When I change the diapers, come on, mothers. Did you know that's an offering to God? I'm gonna change the diaper with excellence. God, the seventh poop diaper today, I'm gonna do it for you. I know, I know, but listen, I think we spiritualize it too much. Like, that's an offering to God. God, this is your baby. You gave him to me to steward, and as I change this diaper, I do it as an offering for you. I take my kids to school, I do it as an offering for you. And it says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, 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 like don't just kind of coast through life and think you're supposed to fit. You will never, listen, this is, somebody needs to, you'll never fit. You're not of this world. It's the kingdom of heaven that's on the inside of us. We're just sojourners. We're just, we're passing through. It says you'll never be changed or you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God, I pray you bring the best out of every person in this place and develop well-formed maturity. Father, I pray over every person in this place. God, when we're trying to have control, when we're trying to do it on our own, when we're trying to make things happen, Lord, would you bring us to the end of ourselves? Lord, and some are in that place right now. I'm asking you, would you touch their heart, Lord, that they reach out, just, just like a mosaic, Father, just giving you the broken pieces of their life. Don't have to figure it out. Just come broken, come messed up, come. Doesn't matter, just give it to you. And Father, those that are not at the end of themselves, but they realize they've been in control. Like, I'm going to do it my way. My, it's my strength, God. I'm asking you, would you give them the ability 
to release it to you before the crisis comes. God, you take control. God, you take control. God, you take control. God, we give our lives. Why don't you just right now just tell him, God, I give you my life. Come on, just talk to him right there in this moment. Just in that moment. Come on, God, I give you my life. The Holy Spirit is in this place. Just tell him, God, I give it to you. Whatever it is that you've been holding on to, I sense some of you have been holding on to it. Just it's like, God, I just, I don't know if I can trust you. You can trust him. God, we give it to you. God, we give it to you. God, we give it to you. some of you here this morning and we say I surrender the truth is you've never surrendered all to Jesus and the amazing thing about it is it's just acknowledging where you're at it's God I realize by myself I cannot do it I'm not good enough I'm not strong enough and there is this gap between you and me God and I don't know how to fill it well the solution is Jesus and we confess him as Lord. We invite him to be the Lord and the Savior of our life. And I, I love that about salvation is it's never about doing good works. It's about receiving what was already done for you. And we do that. We, the Bible says we confess him as Lord. We believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's salvation. That's, that's that relationship starting. And this morning, I believe there's some of you, you've never surrendered fully to God and you're ready. You say, Pastor, right now in this moment, I'm ready to fully surrender my life to him. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Just boldly say, right now, I want to surrender my life right now in this place. Lift him up high. To give you just another second I believe there's one or two more others listen this moment God I give you I surrender in this moment put your hands down come on church tell them how proud you are the defining moment so this is what I want to do in this moment as our pastors and ministry team are making their way to the front getting ready to pray for you when we close I want to lead you in a prayer. Right now, say, Jesus, I need you. I can't do it on my own. I'm at my wit's end. I've been broken. And I'm asking you to put my life back together. I give you control. I confess you as my Lord. And I 
receive you as my Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Come on.